0: Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 Four nine seven two, And now, here is your host of Lincoln on Lending, David Lincoln.
1: So good to have you with us, everybody. It is hard to believe we're already into July 2nd, starting the third quarter. Just unbelievable. It is Monday, July 6th. Hope you all had a great Independence Day. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about Andy Shell. He was talking about now that we can't have Confederate flags, we never had it. We're a flag-waving country, but they're trying to outlaw the Confederate flag. I mean, all the politically correctness that's going on in this crazy country right now, it's uh, uh, flag-waving everything. But um, it's good to have you be with us. It's good to celebrate our independence. And you think of the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation And sometimes the the freedoms just seem to be roiding. I'm not into carrying an independent, a a Confederate flag, but dang it, don't tell me what I can't put up my flagpole, I guess, part of it. As long as it's below the American flag, it should be cool. Um, It's good to have all you with us. I know that'll bring some email in from somebody. You're welcome to email me during the broadcast, dlicken at mbs team.com, or shoot me a text message at 512 632 2900. We appreciate you joining in on the broadcast today, and look forward to having you with us. Yes?
2: Just, I know you're doing your intro, so I don't want to jump in too much, but just some of the idiocy, if you go to Amazon right now, you can buy a swastika. I would never buy a swastika, but you can't Me buy either, a Confederate yeah. flag. Not that I want to buy a Confederate flag, but who gives them the right to say I can't? Sorry.
1: I know. That's the point. I didn't put that in there like you're running a Confederate flag around here so people didn't misinterpret it from you. But, you know, that is it is idiocy. <laughs> great point. Profit Doctor comes on with good points. Well, anyway, it's good to have you with us, everybody. Again, this is a broadcast created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Appreciate them very much. We have as our special guest in the Hot Topics segment Brian Fitzpatrick who's the president and CEO of Loan Logics? We're talking about and kicking off a series of broadcasts for the month of July, Innovation in the Mortgage Industry. And Brian's got some new innovative products that, or product initiatives that he has at his company. And people say, well, I didn't think you were about infomercials. We're not about infomercials, but when you have someone that's doing something that's very innovative, we do want to talk about it. So this month may look like it's bumping up against that. That's not the intent. What our intent with this broadcast and all this series this month, is to bring you what's going on, some innovative ideas. And I tell you, some things that are going on, for anyone who's selling loans, you're going to want to hear what Brian Fitzpatrick and the folks at Loan Logics are doing. Very exciting. Can't wait to have Brian. He's a good friend, someone I've had the privilege of knowing for a good number of years. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our uh, those that are with us on a regular basis, Alice, Joe, and Andy, along with, uh, the and of course, Sam Garcia, And we have Paul Mollo. Paul Mollo just dialed in. I see him on there, so we can't wait to get his comments. But I want to say a special thank you to United Guarantee, who has just been our sponsor and is the number one MI leader for the fourth consecutive year. When United Guarantee performs a full file underwrite or receives a delegated data submission with post-closed review, you can get rescission relief from the MI underwrite at closing with something they call Secure Cert. Now, Secure Cert is a comprehensive suite of rescission relief options that builds on the experience that United guarantees that gained as they pioneered the industry's first post-close review with the product they call Covered, Cover Edge, And that was introduced in 2011. As you already know, flexibility is the key to our industry, folks, and it's so important that you have that ability. So when you choose the full file, delegated or post-closed review options with the accelerated rescission relief that fits your process, this is the company you want to be turning to. The flexibility is key, and I want you to encourage you to go check out the secure cert options at the United Guarantee website, www.ugcorp.com. Again, mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Thank you so much. Also, a special thank you to Velma. They are very special to us. They get the notices out, letting you all know who we have on, what's going on. It's good to have them. Check them out. Velma. dot com. v e l m a stands for Virtual Electronic Electronic Mortgage uh, Market. Excuse me, Marketing Assistant. Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Anyway, good to have you all with us. And uh, the NBA is just pumping out information about the upcoming conference, about their annual conference. Lots going on there. We could go on and on and on again, but we just to really want to get into it. Oh, one other thing. I did a special broadcast on Friday with Logan Motoshami. Very interesting broadcast. That was July 3rd. Go back and check it out. His insights into the market, his ability to be accurate is really uh, it's just astounding, some of the things he's been calling. And, again, this is someone who does not have a formal training as an economist, and uh, but he's taking on and challenging some of the top people and getting quite a bit of notoriety and is very accurate. So go check out the broadcast from Friday, July 3rd. Good to have you with us, Joe Farr. Give us an update. Interesting to hear what's going on as a result of the no vote on the Greek referendum. What's happening?
3: It's it's weighing on, uh, on global markets and uh... – yeah, you know, the no vote had the expected consequences. There's a little shift a uh, shift to safety, and and you know especially you know government guaranteed U.S. government guaranteed bonds and MBS and German bonds and uh, a sell off of uh, of equities. The European stock market closed lower, and, and you know the market kind of was anticipating a yes vote, so a no vote was a bit of a surprise, but the an additional surprise is the uh, small size of the reaction. Um,
1: yes, you know, yes.
3: It, MBS, our MBS, they're up nine, ten, thirty seconds. Uh, our stock market's almost bre- break even. You know, it started the morning down right. about one hundred and sixty-five points, and it's made its way back close to to where it started the day. And so you know this this lack of a bigger reaction in the market really plays into the hands of the European Union uh negotiators as it relates to how they might go forward with uh with the negotiations with Greece so uh it'll be interesting to see all that how that plays out and it's going to stay in the market for some time i believe uh, the only U.S. economic data to come out this morning was the ISM Services Index, and it came in pretty close to expected and, and a little better than last month. So, was not a market mover. So, uh, let's go back to last month and and yes. you know for the first last four week. days uh, last, last last week month, first, last week, month. first <laughs> week first three days were all about Greece. You know it was. Uh, the headlines were causing a lot of volatility. Uh, we saw many days with midday price changes. Some, A couple days we had both favorable and unfavorable midday price changes. And again, that was just as, as headlines were coming out of Greece as to whether or not they were making progress or not. Um, yet for the week, the effect of Greece was about a wash. I don't think it had much to do mm-hmm. with uh, market movement. the The only real net change came on Thursday. The the uh early release of the jobs data was a little weaker than expected and, and it caused MBS prices to improve ten thirty seconds. And and that was about to change for the for the shortened week. In that jobs data, you know probably everyone knows this by now, but the, the net number of new jobs in uh in June was a little below expected. The bigger surprise was the revision to the prior months of of sixty thousand dollars low uh, sixty thousand jobs lower. Uh, annual wages uh, uh, fell. Actually, if you annualize wages in June, they were uh, about two percent higher than the June before, which was down from two point three percent higher. And that's that's not a sign of a of a real healthy labor market. We've we've been seeing that yeah. go up. And then the other surprise, I guess, was uh, unemployment rate fell, but uh, much like the month before, when there was a a big increase in the labor force. Uh, causing the unemployment rate to rise, there was a big decrease in the labor force this month and and caused the unemployment rate to fall so uh it's hard to make much about either of those two months uh other data last week uh, i s m grew a little more than expected uh you know and that of the data was kind of mixed uh, uh construction spending uh beat expectations factory orders fell short chicago p m i also fell short of expectations, but pending home sales grew, and pending home sales, yes, went, uh, in May because uh, it's a, l- a little month behind, uh, were at the highest point they've been since two thousand and six. So uh, upbeat. Then for this week, Dave, uh, not a lot on the economic calendar. Uh, certainly a lot on the headlines from Greece. Is, is right uh, a new? Uh, let's see, a new proposals due from Greece. I think tomorrow. Uh, it, it is really going to be interesting to see all that plays out. The U.S. economic data, uh, we only have Jolt's report tomorrow, and we have the minutes from the mm-hmm. Fed meeting on Wednesday. Uh, Treasury auctions Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Wednesday auction is the 10 year, so uh, maybe uh, the more important of the three, but any of those could have an impact on MBS prices.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's certainly the events going on in Greece could have an impact on these Treasury auctions. Especially, we see a, a potential uh, setup for a flight to quality, but that flight to quality probably is already in there. So it it may be as this thing gets resolved, we may see a reserve, reversal of that. But uh, it's it's. This, this service that you have, really being able to stay in and dial in and know exactly what's going on, is just so valuable, Joe. And I encourage our listeners to check it out. And if you don't know how to get signed up for it, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. You'll learn about how to get connected with MBS Quoteline. I think the best service for what you can get the best value in the industry right now. Good to be with you. We'll be right back Thanks, after Dave. this brief break. You bet. Looking for that
0: competitive edge? MBSQuoteline.com MBSQuoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin on Lending
1: Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. It's good to have you with us, everybody. I am very happy to tell you we got Paul Mallow dialed in on the broadcast. And, Paul, it's good to have you again with us. Looking over at your headlines at www.imfnews.com Good stuff, bro. My friend, what you got? What you, what you focusing on?
4: Uh, well, we were crunching the data for the second quarter, um, and it looks like, you know, retail lending accounted for a nice chunk of Fannie and Freddie's business in the second quarter. And what's important there, it looks like, you know, there's a lot of small to medium-sized lenders that are now selling directly to Fannie and Freddie. So that's, you know, that's probably one of the the important takeaways on that. So um, in a nutshell, retail uh, lending accounted we're about 61% of uh, single-family uh, loans securitized by Fannie and Freddie in the second quarter, according to numbers that we crunch here at Inside Mortgage Finance and our affiliate pub, um, Inside Mortgage Trends. Now, where are we going with this? Well, you know, it, it's more the non-bank, smaller lenders, you know, basically taking market share away from the bigger guys and that's you know that's an ongoing story and it's something that we've talked about before and it doesn't look like that trend is going to
5: you know shift
4: anytime soon so we'll keep an eye on that. The uh, second story we have is about hiring uh, the mortgage jobs numbers came out On Monday, we always uh, focus on the mortgage uh, piece, not not the overall, because anyone can talk about that. Uh, You know, brokerage jobs were not up all that much. People hiring for brokerage firms, mortgage banking jobs. These would be non-brokers are up a bit more, 1,200 positions. And we talked to Mark Savitt at the uh, National Association of Independent Housing Professionals. Mark also runs a small brokerage uh, firm in West Virginia, and he was, you know, he said something very interesting. A lot of companies. Aren't hiring because you know they're basically <laughs> telling their workers, you know, work your butts off. Uh, you know, I assume they're paying overtime to some degree, depending on on how you interpret the law. But you know, some companies are afraid that when this gravy train ends, or or will it end? You'll have to cut people. So that you know, as he told us, and, and we put in the headline, you know, uh, no no more weekends off for mortgage workers. That's sort of an exaggeration, but uh, it's an interesting take on on the mortgage labor market right now. So so uh, Fitch uh, did something sort of interesting. Uh, it upgraded some of the jumbos uh, that it has rated in the past and basically saying superior performance of the collateral. And as, as anyone who knows anything about the jumbo, uh, MBS market and jumbo production in the last couple of years, I mean, uh, the loan quality is just phenomenal. It's just ridiculous. Yes. I remember one time I think I was talking to someone at Redwood about how three of their mortgages went delinquent for like 2 days because some guy, you know, all three borrowers were like on vacation and they and they forgot to make their uh their payment and they went into the 30 day category for like 2 days. But uh it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I I don't know what the delinquent rate is on jumbo since 2010, but some probably something like 0.000005, you know, it's just ridiculous <laughs> low. Yeah. Really, um yeah. We had george brooks uh look at the uh, the gay marriage issue, whether it's going to have any effect on mortgage production yeah. and you know listen as far as i'm concerned people people can buy houses together, gay straight, whatever you are, not married whatever, and they've been doing it for a long time so you know exactly we, we actually right, yeah. bounced this one about around our editorial meeting last week when before we wrote the story, and you know we you know this could be a non story, but you know we're keeping an eye on it. And I don't think it's going to have much of an effect. People are going to, you know, continue to buy homes either as yeah. investors or couples. And you know, I'm I'm not sure it's a story, but um, it's a topic. <laughs> it's in the news. Well, it's like, it's a topic. Uh, I
1: think and I think it was good that you covered it because I think that a lot of people are wondering, what are the consequences, and in the case of housing and home purchases, probably inconsequential. Yeah.
4: Yeah, um anyway, uh, so, I mean that's obviously been in the news like the flag issue and I will uh say something here and use my uh, editorial um um, yes. um I guess perch I here is that I believe the Confederate flag is a uh, a symbol of rebellion against the united states as well as slavery and i think it's wrong for states to fly the flag if someone wants to personally offend the rest of us and fly a confederate flag that's their business but for the states to do it i personally believe that's wrong and uh... and i think you know slavery is obviously wrong but that's not an issue i guess yes. for the show but since you brought it up at the beginning i think i would chime in <laughs> and let you know my view that uh... it, it is wrong if people want to do wrong things on their own personal property, that's a different matter. But for the states to that's do it, the point. Uh, they should that's respect the point. Uh, you know what uh, African Americans to do with slavery and uh, that is wrong. So anyway, yeah, uh off I my soapbox here. Uh lastly, uh before I get to short takes we had uh cash cash purchases are are on the decline according to Realty Track. And uh, that's you know that's good for mortgage lenders because you know if cash deals mean no mortgages and if there's less cash deals that means more mortgages. Uh, I know I'm running out of time here, but quickly the first item is about uh, Prudential, Huntoon Page getting sanctioned or or maybe getting sanctioned by the by the HUD ID's maybe, yeah. office. Yeah, that's interesting because is, is all FHA lenders know. Um, you know going after uh, fha single family uh, underwriters for their violations the last couple years um you know that's been you know a, a huge drain on mortgage bankers but now it looks like hey they're going after multifamily lenders too so it'll be interesting to see yep. uh, how that plays out so anyway that's uh, that's all the good stuff for today well,
1: you know what, back on the Confederate flag, I didn't mean to open that can of worms, but I did hear from Liz, who's one of my favorite people out there in the industry. She's just recently retired, and uh, she, uh, you know, I think it comes down to what you want to do in your own home. Whether it's on a state building, that's one thing, but, you know, having legislating or getting pressure, and then, you know, I haven't watched Duke to Hazard in forever, but, you know, to realize that that got pulled on it, I think that's the thing that's just irking me is that there seems to be such a run to political correctness, some of it, we, there's, there's common decency that goes into this, but no one's, like Liz pointed out, no one's telling us we can't fly it. You just can't buy the dang things anymore at some of the places that you normally would. So anyway, not planning to buy one, didn't have one, so uh, good comment. But thanks for your editorial stuff. You know, that, that's one of the reasons I enjoy you so much, Paul, is because the way you write and the way you do it is authentic. authentic- it's very authentic, and authenticity is something I value. And no matter where it may fall in the spectrum, you weigh in on it, and that's why I encourage people to check out IMF News, the IMF News website. So, folks, check it out. Read what Paul writes, and the John and and Brandon and George. They all there's a good group of people there. Writes a great stuff on the industry. So, check it out. www.imfnews.com. If you're not signed up to get their regular email. Do so. You're missing out on some great stuff. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Good, day. good to have you with us, and thanks for the soapbox. Appreciate it, man. Bye. All right, let's go on to uh, get over to Alice Alvey. So good to have you back, Alice. And I know you were back last week, but I'll probably say that a couple times. We missed having you on the broadcast when you were on vacation. <laughs> good to have you with us. What well, are it's you good paying to be attention? here, you. So I was going to say, do you have an opinion about the Confederate fact thing, or are we just going to let that one go?
5: I agree with Paul. I'm gonna just keep it that simple. Yeah, I agree with uh, I agree with Paul. Yep. So uh yeah, so I, I'm gonna talk about what's more on the minds of mortgage bankers right now and that is TLRESPA integrated yes. disclosures. And I know if you hear the acronym TRID one more time, it it just is gonna make you crazy. <laughs> but uh we have to talk about it. We have to make sure everybody's on track with We do have a proposed rule that the comment period is open until tomorrow. So you have until July 7th, Tuesday. So why not do it today? It's so easy, folks. You just go to federalregister.gov. Actually, you can go to Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's website. Save that in your favorites. You probably need it for other reasons. And under the the Regulations tab, you click on Notice and Comments. And right there, a few down, you'll see that it's the place to comment for uh, this particular proposal rule for the extension and the issue is it's not a done deal yet so at the very least we know we have that august 15th will be the earliest start date we are trying to get that october 3rd is the start date and if you want to know what to put in the comment simply say something like this our company's not ready therefore consumers will be at a disservice Um, the series of events that still have not happened is not every company has its software system up and running to be able to test it properly. Until we get it tested properly, people won't be able to validate that there are systems that they've planned. So everyone's done everything they can in terms of planning, but their systems won't be working properly. I'm sorry, they need to test if the idea of the systems they mapped out will be working properly. Then from there, we can properly communicate to the realtors and everyone else exactly how this is all going to work and whether we're going to need 30, 35, 45, or 65 days on purchase agreements, right? So the the service, we need to start knowing at least 60 days ahead of the implementation date kind of how we're going to be able to move, and no one's ready yet. And we're less than, well, what 45 days out of what would have been the original implementation date. Um, So I think folks that's one of the most critical things if you said what can I still do now the realtors need to be brought into the loop on that the purchase agreement signing date is not going to be the start date of our processes. Many companies are finding they have to kind of re-engineer that application and initial disclosure period to save some time. Uh, we're going to need to have much more complete app- information applications to get that loan on the assembly line right. So uh, I would say make sure you're adding that to your list of what is, how long is this going to take. Am I really going to get it done in 30 days? Very few companies so far I've seen are going to be able to do it in less than 35 In reality, they talk about it, they act like they've got it down pat, but they're going to have to staff for lots of rushes. So please go out and comment. Um, I think the more the CFPB hears to reinforce we need the extension, um, the better. So I already gave you a few tips on where you should be at with TRID. You should be down to just a handful of unanswered policy questions. Um, interestingly enough, I'm still finding loan officers whose eyes pop out of their head that it's not just a form replacement. I mean, we sat down with a very excellent top loan officer. She was convinced she could do this very similar to her RESPA 2010. And I think by the time we walked through a backwards timeline of how this works, um, she was quite surprised as the process changes. Um, very doable. You know, she was still very positive about it. Yeah. But the idea of, wow, I, I even I didn't recognize um, the big changes. A couple other quick things. Um, there is a comment period that's open for it's a final interagency inter- policy statement on um, really this idea of diversity policies and practices. So we spent several years trying to get that CFPB would coordinate OCC, FDIC, NCUA, and the SEC, and everybody would um, get together on a standard document. And it's taken a couple of years to pull this off. This comment period is still open. It's open until August 10th. Uh, for those of you who um, don't have any kind of diversity policy and you are regulated by one of these entities, which is pretty much everybody on the phone, <laughs> everyone listening, <Right. laughs> get out there and read this and make sure you see this Um Probably one of the biggest things that the CFPB added was the idea that um, this is going to be something that would be recommended and that they're not trying to actually change any existing policies. But a lot of people aren't reading it that that way. It's coming across as changing policies. Uh, So you do need to watch this. It's uh, referencing, again, like I mentioned a second ago, the diversity um, and inclusion policies that your company has. And that includes suppliers as well. It's everybody, workforce, um, lending. Um, everything that your business touches. So uh, make sure you get on board with that and comment. That's due by August 10th. We're watching a few other things, but Dave, I know we want to make sure we have enough time for our guest today to talk through uh, technology. So I will close it with those big items as for today.
1: Good, 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 good job. Alice, excellent. It's good to have you back covering that. There's so much. It's really interesting to see how close we are coming to the deadline and many were not ready. And so, the deadline's gotten extended, TRED deadline's gotten extended, and I'm really still concerned that this lulled people into some complacency rather than getting ready and really acting for it. Folks, if you need any help in getting ready, need any training, any idea, anything on this topic, get a hold of Alice. And you want to learn how, listen to this ad. We'll be right back after this brief break.
0: If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage You give you the edge.
1: Yes, that is, we'll give you an edge. Great ad. We appreciate you tuning in and telling others about it. We've got Sam Garcia with us, and then we're going to jump from Sam over to the Profit Doctor and then get into Brian Fitzpatrick of Loan Logics with some interesting news about what's going on in innovation as it relates to the correspondent lending world. So let's start off with you, Sam. Good to have you with us, my friend.
6: Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, we, we covered the, mortgage, or the employment report last week, which, which of course showed that there were 290,000 people in non-bank mortgage jobs. And so we're able to take that data and utilize some market share data to come up with roughly more than 555,000 people total uh, estimate for people working in the mortgage business at banks and non-banks. And that includes nearly 215,000 estimated at uh, banks and over 50,000 at credit unions. Um, We put out our mortgage market index last week. Now, that's based on data we get from open close. And it was up 6% Mm -hmm. last week. Um, Arm activity soared 41%. As rates were rising, and that tends to happen as we see rates rise, um, Jumbo business was up 39%. So those are two areas we're watching uh, that showed some really nice activity. Uh, FHA put out some data, and we show that uh, they endorsed roughly $22 billion in loans, and that includes traditional mortgages, home equity conversion mortgages, and Title I loans uh, during April. And the last time FHA volume was that strong was in May 2013. So quite a bump there, again, for uh, FHA business. Um, more recently, in, ju- in June, FHA endorsed 24% more HECMs in June than it did the month before. So that was about 5,300 uh, reverse mortgages in- endorsed by the agency. And that data was reported by Reverse Market Insight. Um, at Fannie Mae, uh, there was... Uh, they had delinquency that fell they, – they, they report 90-day delinquency, residential, and it fell to 1.70%. Right. That's the lowest level since September 2008. Uh, Fannie Mae's new business acquisitions, however, dropped uh, 15% in May compared to the prior month. But a month later, for all three is, uh, agencies, we show that uh, MBS issuance on fixed-rate MBS – Was 341 billion dollars in the second quarter. That turned out to be the best quarter uh, for agency (laughs) issuance since the third quarter 2013. Um, One other bit of note or information here was that non-commercial bankruptcy filings were up one percent in uh, May from the prior or in June. I'm sorry, from the prior month to nearly 67,300 filings. So a little bit of an uptick there with. uh, With bankruptcy filings. Today, uh, HUD put out a a public filing in the Federal Register proposing that there be a deadline for FHA mortgagees to file claims. Uh, Apparently, there's no uh, current deadline in their guidelines. So this proposal calls for roughly, you know, to have these claims filed roughly three months within liquidation of a loan. Um, There's more details, of course, in our story about, you know, what they're proposing, but there's comment being accepted on that now. And uh, finally, uh, one interesting story was that Priority Bank was ranked among the top consumer loan originators among independent community bankers um, with with less than 500 million in assets. And that rank is just based on their total consumer lending compared to their overall assets. And what was interesting is that that bank uh, noted that uh, they shifted almost all their mortgage lending from portfolio lending to loans originated for sale as a result of the CFPB's ability to repay rule. So, uh, and that's it. That wraps up our stories there.
1: A lot of good stuff. Check out the website, folks. And I encourage you to get a hold of Sam, but you can reach Sam at sam. Garcia at MortgageDaily.com. Or just go to their website, MortgageDaily.com. Excellent information. get a hold of Sam at 214-521-1300. Sam, good to have you with us. And appreciate the partnership and relationship. You do a great job. And I encourage everyone to check out your website. Good information there, especially the reports. I love your reports. Some of the best stuff out there. Good to have a great week, Sam. Good to have you with
6: us. You too, David. Thank you.
1: Whoops, I hit this mic just a little too quickly to so see was saying goodbye, Prophet Doctor. I won't cut you off. Apologize for doing that. Hey, Rickon, right towards the end. Good to have you hey, with you us. You Rickon. know that Confederate flag really brought in some email responses. That was really interesting. And so you you think it's it's about government intervention, government in our lives, telling us you know, and everyone's so afraid to you're going to offend somebody. I, I totally get what Paul's saying, and I agree with it. I mean, I don't disagree with it, but don't tell me what to do, and how I can do certain things. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, so I really appreciated you sharing that, and I apologize for tracking, putting your name to that opening <laughs> okay. comment about that, but it just kind of came out because it's been bugging me that, you know, it's gotten so bad that Duke's Hazard isn't even on. I don't even particularly didn't watch that show much, but you uh, yeah, come on.
2: It's anyway. the libertarian aspect of my thinking. You know, if I want to buy 400, yeah. count, 400 count Egyptian cotton sheets, and they say you can't because it's Egyptian. Well, so what? Why? I want I want it. So I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want a Confederate flag. Never had a Confederate flag. Had never in, any intention of having one. But I don't think they have the right. Until to tell they told I you can't. you couldn't have it. Yeah.
1: We always thought we can't, can't have it exactly.
2: <laughs> Which is just like mortgage banking. We want it to be like it was. We want it to be simple. We want it to not change so fast. Yeah. We want it to be. You know, this whole TRIP thing that Alice was talking about, how long has that been out now? And people still don't understand what this means. Yes. The customer has to have the closing disclosure, the CD, three days electronically or seven days by mail before closing. They have to be able to look at it in their hand. And this, this is just this, – this is reflective of innovation, which is change in its entirety. Because with any kind of yes. innovation or change – we have to—it's the three A's: assess, adopt, and accept. We have to assess the need. Things are changing. We have to understand what it is we need and how this impacts us. We have to adopt the adopt the change because there's something new, and there's something going to be different. And then, the biggest piece is we can we can say we're going to have to do it differently, but then we have to actually accept, own it. We have to own that it's going to be different. Own that it's going to change. We can't keep saying, well, no, we can get that loan closed in a week. Well, it's impossible. You can't. I mean, you have to give the customer three days advance in hand with a closing disclosure, which is now right. the the new HUD. But, you know, it's just don't assume that um, no fix is easy and no fix is quick, and any fix takes substantial effort to embrace it. So. This whole notion of innovation is awesome. I love innovation. I love how things move around and change, but at the same time, we have to accept the fact that that means something's going to be different, be different than the way that it was. And so, Dallas's right. um, point: people need to pay attention to this whole trip thing and and understand it. It's really not that hard. Seven days, three days, and there's a couple of other things, but for the most part, you got to mail it. Seven, the, the the HUD has to be <clears throat> in the hands of the customer. If mailed seven days in advance, if electronically confirmed three days in advance, and then you can't change it, and you can't adjust it. I mean, except for things like purchase interest, but for the most part, you can't change it. Right. It's really
1: interesting that – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, let's finish your thought there.
2: No, no, I was just going to say this is really Alice's bailiwick, but people need to pay attention to this.
1: Well I think it's I think it's good that how you opine on it. I love your three A's. Assess, adopt and accept. And I think it's the last one everyone's having trouble to is accepting the changes that are going on in our industry. And you could either choose to accept it, reject it and deny, go in denial, or you could accept it and then if you're like what our next guest is all about, you find innovative ways to going about and improving an existing product. I tell you, these kind of changes bring opportunity. As frustrating as some of these can be, they bring opportunity, and it really brings out the change agents. I'm really looking forward to getting into the hot topic with Brian here in just a minute. Profit Doctor, appreciate you. Thanks so much for being here and looking forward to to you participating on the next segment.
2: I I refuse to accept the fact that I can buy a swastika, but I can't buy a Confederate flag. I don't want either of them, but I want to be able to have it if I want. Thanks, Dave.
1: Yeah. You're right. Thank you. Good point. Folks, good to have you with us. We've got Brian Fitzpatrick who'll be joining us right after the break. It's good to be with you. Tell others about it. Innovation. What ideas do you have for innovating that could be innovate, innovation could show up in this country? We want to hear or in our industry, I want to hear from you because we're still putting together. I've got a number of people that are all stacked up we could put in here, but I really want to bring and hear from you what is the most innovative thing that's going out there, and we're not talking about Confederate fags. We're talking about innovation in the world, innovation in the mortgage industry. What can we be doing better? Well, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this break with the latest innovation idea.
0: Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability with over 300 combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending. The Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level.
1: It's good to have you with us, everybody. Uh, again, we're talking about innovation, and uh, several people, <laughs> it's amazing when you bring up the Confederate flag, what kind of responses you get to uh, from people, and it's, so, it's wide-ranging. But we appreciate you being a part of the broadcast, and uh, we are here to talk about innovation. We have as our special guest with us. Brian Fitzpatrick, who's president and CEO of Alone Logics. They're based out of the Philadelphia area. At least that's where Brian res- resides and works out of. I think they have actually three areas, the three offices. We'll have we'll hear more about that in just a minute. Brian got a degree in marketing communications from Rowan University, and then he got a master's in communications from Temple University. He started as a sales director for EDS, and uh, again, one of those companies, very innovative early on, doing some things, a big, huge company. So sometimes huge and innovation don't always work together. But we also then saw, I met Brian when he was senior vice president of sales for GHR. Now, the G in GHR stands for gut and tag. Jack is a good friend. And uh, Jerry Hurst and Jack were professors at Wharton, and they got together with one of the really smart guys there, one of their students, Alan Redstone, and they formed GHR. And he was head of sales there great funny story before the broadcast he was talking about we submitted his first 60 page sales marketing plan uh that came back graded like a uh, like a like a thesis almost <laughs> so it's a great story to have that uh recently uh well not too recently but he was also president of Lidden, uh technology group but more recently he was CEO of Acclaro Risk Ana- Analytics and uh then also he successfully merged that company with Nylix and so that now is known as Lone Logic. So they've got some exciting things that they're going to be working with and are announcing. Um, and it's just coming out, and it's about to be released. So without further ado, Brian Fitzpatrick, good to have you on the broadcast.
7: Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here.
1: Uh, did, you know, especially want- with you. Go ahead.
7: I I, I just did want to correct one thing in uh, the intro. You indicated that I got a degree in communications from uh, Rowan. I actually never graduated as an RTF major. I was a radio, television, and film major. Uh, I actually switched to a marketing major about midway. Um, and at the time, okay. I did so, but, but marketing didn't require math, and, and communications did, so I,
4: <laughs> I quickly switched. Who, who,
7: who knew I'd end yeah. up in the software industry and in, uh, in the mortgage space particularly?
1: I know. I I I got a music major and I got my first job because the guy says, At least I know you can count to four. I mean, you know. So and I think he found out later I may have been even challenged on that. But it's it's interesting to where our <laughs> education's where we where we formally educate ourselves and then where we end up uh in our careers. So very much math. I was math adverse and same thing like yourself. But you know, let's this industry is math, it's driven by what's going on and I think a lot of us look at what is Ben and, and we're Somehow, Brian, the word innovation and the mortgage industry are just not closely associated. Well, like one guy says, you know, the idea of the selective typewriter is just really catching on at some shops. It's not quite that bad, but we certainly are seeing... Uh, we're we're slow to as an industry to adopt new technologies, and that's why we're focusing for the next month, the month of July, on innovation. And I'm very excited to have you on the broadcast talking about some of the things that you're doing. So, again, welcome to the broadcast. Here's my first question I want to get into. As the mortgage industry continues to embrace technology to improve efficiencies, and that's why you should embrace it, is to improve efficiencies, as well as to lower costs, the Profit Doctor's famous topic, uh, where are the gaps that technology could yet fill? As you look at our industry, where do you see the most evident gaps, Brian?
7: Well, I, I think one of the things that's very important to mention is that the game has changed dramatically in this industry. You know, when you look at all the statistics of, of you know, what underwriters Used to be able to do in any given month relative to their productivity and what that is now, and you look at the same thing on just general number of mortgage originations per FTE. I mean that that number is abysmal, and we all know why it is. I mean the compliance challenge is absolutely you know crazy in the industry and dotting the i's and crossing the t's. It's not just about being scared about repurchases but now it's about class action lawsuits it's about CFPB it's about criminal action uh you know i i was having lunch with uh the former ceo of a mortgage company uh who sold his company and he said you know it's for the first time in many years he sleeps at night now and uh he said it was very hmm. difficult you know during the time because he said it you know he he never knew, he was always afraid of getting the mail and i think that's you know that's what we're living in and as a result technology, we demand more and must demand more out of technology. So, you know, one of the key things that, that I've seen is we need to be able to have technology hit a real return on investment, increase the number of loans per person per day dramatically. And, and that's one of the problems we've seen in technology, particularly in the correspondent realm where you're, you're looking at somebody else's work effectively. You know, you have to get in and look at that that closed loan, and you know, you have to do yeah. a pre-funding analysis, almost in re-underwriting, and, and just the numbers are abysmal. So, so innovation has been key, particularly in that area.
1: So true. Alice, let's get you in on this discussion.
5: Great, thanks. Welcome to the show. We're um we've been, you know, ourselves as a technology company. We work quite a bit in this space as well. So, I wanted to get from your perspective, you know, where you see uh the market is going uh today to address these needs. Certainly people have their loan origination software system. They put in different patches for different things to try and get what they want. Um, I guess I'm interested in your uh, in your perspective right now on uh, where you think the market, how the market can address this today.
7: Sure, Alice. Uh, first of all, uh, it's great to talk to you. I've always been a big fan of your work in the industry. So one of the, one of the key things that I've seen is uh, there's a lot of fragmentation, and there's a lot of integration that's required. You know, for example, particularly when you're talking about correspondent lending, and I'll primarily focus on that today, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that lenders will go out and they will purchase a loan origination system, and it's typically different than the one they use for retail or wholesale. And I I liken it to going to the store and buying a high-end three-piece suit and throwing away the jacket and the vest and then tailoring the pants to no end. And and that's essentially what I've seen happen in the industry, is is people are taking loan origination systems that are, you know, there's a lot of great ones in the industry that are designed for you know, really manufacturing a loan from the very inception, from that very beginning conversation with a borrower. And that's not what correspondent lending is about. Correspondent lending is due diligence, quite frankly. it's It's loan quality review. And essentially... To uh, change a loan origination system and get it to work in that environment is expensive. Secondly, you have to integrate it to many other different disparate technologies, uh, a product pricing eligibility engine, uh, perhaps a dashboard business analytics tool. You, know, you have to integrate to data and doc processing and management. You have to then uh, integrate to hedging systems. And, and one of the, the issues that I've seen there is that's extremely expensive, fragmented not only to build but also to maintain because i you know i spent many years in the integration side when i was ceo of decade systems well found decade corporation and we were all about integrating all these technologies and about bringing the cost of that integration down because when you look at a typical integration diagram with some of these lenders it looks like you're looking at the schematics to your clock radio or your microwave oven lots of lines connecting and when something changes in one of those downstream systems you're now changing the integrations to all of those different systems. So what what it's created is a very disconnected type of uh, environment that's costly to maintain and, quite frankly, does not give the kind of uh, experience that the sellers out there, the correspondents themselves, really demand to have and need to have and that the investor needs to actually operate at a profit.
5: So do you find it's possible in those types of systems to be able to standardize it? Since, you know, your first point that you brought up was about the correspondence is due diligence. And one of the things that we find in our consulting work is just the varying philosophies that can exist at that very starting level. So I would agree with you on the integration challenges, but each company still manages its own varying degree of risk. Um, so, you know, they all operate with all those um, components differently how How can technology solve for that? I mean or do you see that the correspondence need to get uh, to be consistent in that area
7: well let's uh, let me liken that too, and that's a great question I'll, I'll liken uh, your answer really or your question to what the industry has become is a series of checklists and it's right. like the checklist manifesto, if anybody's ever read that I mean that's what this industry's really become. and I remember the day when the checklist was only eight and a half by eleven, one page. Uh, and now it's several pages, eight and a half by 14, when you go in and you look at, at, at different uh, correspondent investors and the types of things that they're managing relative to what they behold as risk in their chain. So uh, the, that actually uh, demands that there be much better flexibility in being able to automate and modify those checklists. That's extremely important in the types of technologies that exist. And the problem is a lot of the existing legacy technology, it's sort of set and forget. It's very linear, uh, the way that they're designed. And you cannot live in a linear world today uh, and still have the types of risk management control that's necessary because interpretations of laws change. Uh, New laws come uh, together. I mean, we're talking about TRID here. And a lot of changes and And guess what? We're going to continue to see that game change, and we need to have dynamic nature of not only automating the checklist, but being able to change it. And what I mean by automating the checklist, particularly what happens is this this world has become a checklist, stare and compare. and it's and it and it creates an army of people that are required to get a loan reviewed, and it's created lots of costs for the investor lots of frustration for the seller because they're waiting days they're waiting days just to get answers and then when they do they get an emailed stip list that's non-interactive so one of the things that that we've seen is by taking critical data off of documents multiple documents Uh, let's say for example i want to make sure that the social security number is consistent across the the file well guess what if i take the social security number off of the eight critical documents in the file as well as the registration record from the loan origination system, I don't need Mary, Bob, or Bill to answer that question. Does the Social Security match? I have that data. It's been electronically lifted and validated, and now essentially I'm answering that question for the individual. And we've seen that you can automate anywhere, depending on the checklist, anywhere up to 60 to 80% of those questions, which reduces the cost to the investor and actually speeds things up for the actual, hmm, uh, bond. Well, that gets right into the profit
1: doctor's area of expertise. Cost savings, Andy. Well, and
2: you know, in listening, in listening um, to Brian, I just, I having, I'm having more questions than I'm having answers. This is just I'm, a fascinating conversation. So, uh, we're going to have to talk some offline, Brian. This is really, really interesting. But, you know, everything comes down to an ROI at some point. Now, now you know, what we could do, what Steve Martin did in his bit in the 70s about <laughs> paying taxes, is I, I forgot. I just – I forgot. I know I was supposed to do that maven check or whatever, but I forgot. So, um, OFAC, what's that? So um, – but anyway, since we don't get to do that, we do have to get all this stuff done, and we have to pay for it. Uh, what are some of the costs, and, and better yet, what are some of the efficiencies that we can gain – uh, from all this?
7: Well, again, the, the efficiency gain uh, really comes into loans per person per day. It's about increasing the number of loans per person per day. We've already proven this model out. This is not just hypothetical. We've proven this model out in loan quality management and the ability to uh, double the amount of loans that a lender or operator can actually look at using technology. and. Also, to your point, and ensuring that we don't just say, oh, we forgot to do that check. And the reason being is because workflow automation is built in very critical, and you can't pass go and collect $200 until you've done that check. So that check is not complete. So the systems and technology are validating that every step of the the checklist, if you will, of the review is actually being done, and also that we can take loans per person per day. And some of these automated examples, we're talking being able to do uh, at least twice, in some cases three times, the number of loans per person per day. And I'll give you an example on a compliance review. Um, You know, our technology, you're able to trifurcate, you know, whether somebody wants to spend their time on a compliance review, a credit review, or a collateral review. Uh, But in the example of, you know, compliance, uh, when we were doing manual, when I say manual systems, uh, driven or uh, assisted reviews. You know, we were looking at probably you know five to to ten loans per day on a on a per person on a compliance review, and that number's 25 right now. So as automation has come into place, with being able to tightly integrate and get uh, you know answers back, and also automate a lot of the process. So the efficiency gains are considerable. I mean, you're looking at, a, at a, a true documented return on investment. And, by the way, it's very difficult when you look at a, a loan origination system implementation to get a ROI impact. You could when they first came out because you were comparing it to a completely paper-based, you know, process, right? But now we right. we know, and, and, and truly manual process, but now we know that's that's not the case using – you know, automation and loan origination systems. Well, we're back there in the land of correspondence where there's a lot of paper going back and forth, and we've started by automating a lot of that paper process and creating a virtual loan folder which uses that data, makes it come alive, and literally automates uh, every step of the way. So this is a truly documented ROI, not just a fictitious number. Wow. good stuff,
2: we, We're going to take this yeah, offline, Brian. We Go have on. to. Sure.
1: Yeah, is there some Joe, go ahead. I want to make sure we get you in on this discussion. Well, I've heard a
3: lot of benefit that seems to accrue to the correspondent investor. What about the what about the correspondent seller?
7: Well, that's uh that's a great question. The the correspondent uh, the sellers have been very frustrated uh, in fact, I've spent a lot of time before we actually innovate and we actually come out with technology, we make sure that the market's ready for this type of change in technology. So I spent a lot of time working with sellers, and uh, I was amazed. I went to one of our customers and I said, Could you do me a favor and show me your STIP list from a couple of your top investors? And literally, they brought out printed-out papers that was about as thick as the New York City phone directory. Uh, and I said, why did you print this out? And they said to me, well, we get them, you know, basically downloaded from the website. And and this is how we – the only way we could really see across the investor what we have. And they had a whole department dealing with STIPS, and it was really crazy. And, and, and to their point, they basically said investors are not easy to do business with today. The funding delays are tying up their warehouse lines. There's too many – you know, stops and starts in the process of of what they're seeing from an an investor on post-funding audit, their suspense rates are through the roof, and um, they're also seeing very significant adverse pricing due to defects, which some cases don't even exist. And I'll give you an example of Hmm. that. Many, Many sellers are very frustrated with the fact that investors keep telling them the document's missing. And uh, they go back to the, quote-unquote, the PDF blob that they submit via the website, and they say, look, the appraisal's right there. It's page 72. But what happened is there's so many problems and issues with, with classifying documents because of these very poor systems that exist in processes that what happened is the document got called something else. So as far as the investor's concerned, it's missing, when it's really not missing. And there's also no reward for quality and delivery. And uh, there's no integration to be able to track quality and delivery at an investor level and provide incentives for for quality of delivery or, quite frankly, disincentives if you have a, a seller that continues to abuse the process. So the seller actually gets faster funding uh, of their warehouse lines. They're not waiting for days to get steps. And also the communication and the the analytics to be able to see what's their most common defects are right there on the screen without having to print the New York City phone directory, you know, consistently.
5: <laughs> hey, yeah. Joe. Okay, can I just can I just jump in? Yeah. On I have one thing I wanted to jump in on the seller side. I was actually working with a client recently who was on the receiving end of a very high tech tool being used by their investor, and they found it actually slowed them down because. They were now getting so many more things that might not have even been uh, noticed before, like the name issue. It seemed like all they were solving was name problems, like a space not right in a name or a period not in the right place after an initial. I mean, just minor, minor things. So I get what you mean about missing documents, but I think, as Andy, as you want to follow up with the ROI, I think there's there's two sides to where where's the balance you know in trying to solve for what only the technology would have struggled with versus the uh the human factor, so i'll I'll pass it back to you guys. I just had to point that out to that a customer complaining that's about yeah. that
7: well, that actually is a great point, Allison to be honest with you uh that's one of the mistakes that we made early on when we automated the whole doc processing and the rules process you know we we thought that we were the cat's meow when we were able to pick up you know issues at a very granular level, for example. You know, the, uh, the, the the borrower's name was missing the middle initial on the note, or there was a brief misspelling, and we were able to get to granular issues that nobody else would, would be able to get to. Well, the issue then became is that we created a very, very long defect list, and uh, what that caused us to do was to go back to the drawing board uh, and to work with our customers to allow them tolerance levels to be able to set You know, will they accept that or not? Is that acceptable? Should that be just a warning, but then go ahead and let it pass? You know, what are those things that are really creating risk relative to to the file, Uh, even though we can get as granular as, you know, a, uh, you know, RD versus ROAD or CT versus COURT in a street name, uh, but – you know, is that really important? And the the answer is, you know, in many cases, no, it's not. But maybe on a signature name affidavit compared to a note, yeah, you want to be pretty exact as to what that is. But maybe less important if you're comparing that to, you know, some some less critical documents that are in the file. So that is a great point. And quite frankly, as pioneers of a lot of automation, we have a lot of arrows in our back uh, and we've learned not just by what we've done right, but quite <laughs> frankly, we've so done a, we've done a lot wrong, and we've learned from uh, you know from those mistakes over the years for sure.
2: Like like over reliance on AUSs during 2005.
7: That's, yes. Uh, yes. That's Tur- exactly our, right. Yes. Turn our turn our
2: brain off. We got we got AUS accepts, so sign the docs.
7: Yeah the false positives yep. false negatives could absolutely kill you in this type of automation which which we recognize which is is the really importance of the flexibility of uh of the technology controls from a granularity perspective.
1: Great point. I like that interjects Andy great example. Alice, do you have anything else uh, you want to cover?
5: Well, I guess I just wanted to um, just say we we have the checklists and the, we update them, and and from our process we handle the workflows and the rebuttal process. So there are other product, lots of ways of, and products, and we have those products to be able to help manage the correspondent networks as well. Um, and so I'm very interested to you know kind of hear more about what Loan Logics has to offer. We're in uh, for our purposes, it's are uh, you know, really trying to be able to customize the solutions for those clients because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it seems like everybody has their own uh, way of wanting to do the business. So um, we're looking forward to finding out more as this evolves.
7: Absolutely. Yeah. And, what, uh, also, just, it is an important point, by the way, that we do have uh, – this is an open BPO model, which means that our technology is open to multiple business process outsourcing providers as well. So – you know, we we do offer services, but our prime we are a technology company primarily. And uh, so, if a company wants to, you know, outsource, you know, to a, a company even like Indicom or others, you know, we do have uh, uh, offshore companies that that do come up on the platform. It's very open, and there there's multiple service providers that some correspondents use as well that ties them all together from a workflow perspective.
1: So when do we start seeing some of these new technologies emerging? You're launching this and so what's your what when do you see this all happening coming together?
7: Well, we are uh right now we're actually testing it with a uh very large new entrant uh that we're not at liberty to disclose at this point, but uh we've launched the system to the market. In fact, we're we're making the official announcement. We made it Friday and we're making it here at the this is why I'm in San Francisco for the uh, California Mortgage Bankers Western Secondary Conference, and uh, later this month that large lender uh, will open their doors and go live uh, with the system, and there will be uh, significant announcements. So this is not just a technology that we're saying, hey, it's field of dreams, we're gonna we're gonna build it and see who shows up. Uh, this is actually something that is being utilized and rolled out with a very large uh, lender, which, uh, stay tuned, Uh, and and it might be a a great follow-up to actually have that lender on your show uh, at some point, Dave.
1: Yes. Well, as you know, I was involved with that lender and helping him at the beginning of this design this, and so very excited to have that lender come on to the radio. And we can't talk about it yet, but we are already in dialogue as to that happening and so very excited about it. And for those of you that are, have not gone to the website, I encourage you to check out the Lickin on Lending website. There's a link to the article that was published by the uh, National Mortgage News Mortgage Technology Group. Bonnie Sanak wrote it. It says, new loan, uh, loan logics tech aims to streamline correspondent investor tasks check out the article one of the things as we close out the broadcast i really want to get in and look at some of the key benefits of this new technology to investors and correspondent lenders you could just run through that real quickly what are some of the key benefits we've already talked about roi but what 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 do you see those what are the highlights what are the biggest issues or the biggest benefits
7: Uh, particularly for which side buyer or seller or both
1: well, both. I mean, I think there's, a, there's definitely investors who are doing this as well. I mean, uh, it sounds like from an investor standpoint, they're going to get shorter lists, more consistent lists. From, an, from a correspondent side, you're going to get a much greater ROI or usage of your talent, the, the carbon-based systems, those people that are sitting in desks. Those are some of the high-level benefits we've already heard about. You know, is this going to impact pricing, for example? Do you see this have any impact to the way the correspondent investors can price their loans? especially if their costs are being reduced.
7: Absolutely. Um and that's one of the things this is fully integrated with a very sophisticated uh product pricing eligibility engine with a commitment desk, lock desk and the ability to set um, you know profit margins, you know b- by the investor. But also due to the analytics that are integrated and ingrained by being able to see uh the most common defects in the quality that is being submitted by a seller and this is on the investor side. First of all, not only am I getting through lots more loans per person per day, but now I can truly start to look at, you know, how I want to rank and reward, you know, the the best quality uh, sellers. um, And also, in some cases, how I want to price for risk for the the, the folks that are continuing to ship and hope. You know, it's a term that uh, I've been (laughs) been using.
1: (laughs) Ship and hope. I like that.
7: Ship and Hope, and it's an, and it's an article I remember uh, writing for the Mortgage uh, Bankers Magazine back in 2010, and some folks are still in that land where, you know, hey, let's uh, let's have the investor be my post-closing department. You know, they'll tell me what's, what's wow. going on. and And that still does exist out there. So, look, these are the folks that you need to be able to see what's going on, track what's going on, and tell them, you know, in some cases how to be better. Uh, and it could be, you know, where they're, you know, they're just submitting a bunch of uh, uh, duplications in documents. You know, we've seen lenders, uh, sellers, submit documents that are, you know, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred pages, when the average loan file is, you know, uh, five to six hundred. And uh, you know, now we're looking at, at some folks sending in double. So you know, that we have to process all twelve hundred, fourteen hundred pages. And a lot of times, it's as simple as you know, a uh, configuration change in their document management system that has them pulling certain documents twice and three times, uh, et cetera. And we've seen that. And you can get to that quickly in the types of dynamic uh, intelligence, business intelligence that's embedded in the system, and it provides a whole doc dashboard directly to, you know, the seller as well as to the investor so that you you can identify the root cause of that you can price for it, uh, but more importantly, you can help the seller to be better, uh, fix the problem at its root cause. A lot of this stuff never gets addressed because they just don't have the data that all comes back together. So the investor now has, quite frankly, a high definition view of everything that's going on uh, around them, and they can able to they can they can price effectively. So you know this is all about making correspondent lending more profitable to. Both sides of the equation, not just, you know, one side. And since we've solved the whole integrated data doc, you know, pricing uh, and business analytics and automation through workflow, you know, types of solution that's all integrated, this is something that does have a very, very quick ROI and major impact in opening the eyes of uh, the, the, the folks on both sides, buyer and seller.
1: Anything you can do to help improve and simplify and ease this whole process is going to be good and while increasing profitability. Brian, it's so good to have you on the broadcast. Again, encourage you listeners to go read the article in the National Mortgage News and uh Google it. It's out there. Again, new loan logics aims tech. New loan logic tech aims. To streamline correspondent lending investor tasks very good to have you here how can if they want to get a hold of you to learn more like Andy says we got to do this offline what is the best way to to accomplish that encourage you to go to your website how do you want people to connect with you
7: yeah the, the best way really is the uh, the website they can uh, put in an interactive request for additional information we have a very large national sales team the website is www dot com, and uh, you can get about, a lot of information right there at the site. But uh, our salespeople are trained to uh, ask questions, not show up and throw up, as uh, as I've seen you know, in the not. past too long in uh, this industry. You know, yes. they're not going to show up and say, "Here's 65-page PowerPoint. Stop me if you see anything interesting." You know, they're they're really trained, yeah. uh, and I spend a yes. lot of money training this team to ask the right questions to see if we can help you. We might not be able to help you. And that's okay, but there's it's certainly good to start with the conversation that starts with you.
1: Very good. Brian, appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And folks, we appreciate you being here with us. We're gonna be talking again the whole month of July. We're talking about innovation. And I want to hear about what topics you would like to have us cover and on this very Interesting month of July. There's so much going on. I want to encourage innovation. And one of the idea things I'd like to get from you, our listeners, is to have you tell me where do you think we should be automating. That would be very interesting. So email me at D-L-Y-K-K-E-N or Dave at Dave at MBS-Team.com. Good to be with you, everybody. Have a blessed rest of the week. I look forward to having you back here. And remember, tell others about Liquid Unlending. We're here to help you stay informed on all that's going on in the industry. Have a great week everybody. Thank you.